How's 5979 doing? Amen. I'm glad to hear that. How many of you have been pumped about the Lord since camp? Now, are any of you seeing the kingdom of God do anything special in your life? That's a loaded question. How many of you pray for sick people in the hallways at school? Okay, a couple of you are like, uh, under my breath. How many of you pray over the food at school before you eat it? I've seen school food. You better pray. How many of you have ever led a friend to Christ? How many of you have led a friend to the Lord before? In the salvation prayer, you introduced them to Jesus. Anybody? Now, let me ask you, the reason I say this, it's a loaded question, I know, but guys, I got to tell you, God has been blowing the roof off of places with his power lately, and I want him to do the same thing here, amen? amen? But the reason I ask that is because a lot of times believers are acquainted with church, but they're not acquainted with the nature of God. Everybody say nature. nature. Now, how many of you know that you can read a book, but when you spend time with the author himself, you're going to know more about the book than you did just reading the book? Amen? amen? Now, I'm going to teach you a lot tonight. It may go very deep, so you may want to take notes. Just don't, don't be fiddling around or checking each other out. You're not here to find a date. We're here to look for Jesus. Amen. Truth is, is that the Lord has been doing so many things. This last week, we had three verifiable miracles happen at church. We've seen God pour out in power. We've been watching the anointing just swarm the room, and it's because God's people are hungry for his presence. Amen. Now, Jesus said some key things in the Word that when you actually read them, not just for what it says on the page, but who it points you to, it'll change your world forever, right? Everybody say, read deep. And what I mean is, is when you read the Word of God, you shouldn't just read it to go, okay, I need to be a better person. Because when you read the Bible, you find out that according to Jesus and His standard, we're nothing, amen? amen? But it doesn't mean that we can't act like Him because His Spirit lives inside of us, right? So I need all of us right now. Let's go before the Father. I want the mind of Christ for everyone in this room. Father, in the name of Jesus, I welcome your spirit to fill this place from the roof to the floor. Overflow in this place in power. Let the kingdom of God invade darkness. Let the kingdom of God and light explode into the hearts of every person in this room that we become kingdom-minded people who are representatives of Christ, who act like their king. We give you praise for that, Lord. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Say this with me, kingdom stuff. kingdom stuff. Let me just tell you a few things that happened last week or over the last two weeks at church. Um, after I left camp, I went home, and the Lord just lit me up inside. I was in prayer in the woods, and he said, it's time to release what you've been asking me to release for eight years. And as a pastor, when you birth a church from the ground up, you have to start simple. Everybody say simple. And so for eight years, I've been teaching the groundwork of the kingdom of God, the, the basics of salvation, the fruit of the spirit, things like that. And it was about six weeks ago, the Lord said, now's the time. And so I was all pumped up and I was staring at 400 people and they're looking at me like that, you know, deer in the headlight look, like, what are you talking about? And the kingdom of God started moving. In the middle of the preaching, as I began to teach it, there was a guy named Todd in our church who a year ago he had completely trashed his knee, and it grew back deformed a little bit, and it made him hobble and walk a little bit different. Everybody say, what happened? What happened? I'm glad you asked. I'll tell you. 
Todd had been coming after the Lord for quite a while now. He, he got saved about a year ago. And for the last six months, he's like, I'm going after God. He's just a worshiper, diving in. And this is a good old boy. Everybody say good old boy. He wasn't like trendy. He didn't have the latest haircut. He wasn't listening to Christian CDs. He just loved Jesus and his truck. Everybody say amen. amen. Todd was on fire, though. He starts seeking God, going after the Lord. And we're in the service. He hears the kingdom preaching. And he says, I receive that in Jesus' name. And at that moment, the saints gather around him, pray over him. And he said he felt like fire hit the top of his head, shot into his knee. Everyone around him heard a pop, and his knee went pow, right into place. Amen? So he's all fired up. Now watch. He goes to work the next day. Everybody say, what happened? Okay, I'm getting pumped now. He goes to work, and he works at a lumber yard. Okay? So he's working around the logs, and he's having a great day testifying about Jesus. And all of a sudden, a log rolls off the side, hits his, the knee that was just healed, and breaks his leg above the knee and below the knee. So he's going to the doctor. They get the x-rays. Both breaks are clear. Wraps his knee up. Comes to church on Sunday because the specialist couldn't see him till Monday. This was last Sunday. He comes up and he says, Pastor, they told me that my leg is broken in two places. I said, well, you're going after God. The enemy's trying to fight against this. He said, it doesn't matter. I know I'm healed. Amen? Amen. Now, that's the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ that says, no matter what the x-ray shows, no matter what I feel, I know the nature of God and what his will is to me, and I'm willing to stand for it until I see it. Amen? Amen? What happened? You ready? Todd comes up, we pray over him, and, and just as soon as we pray over him, sometimes when I pray over people, I want to say big words. And all I did, I got to his head and I went, Jesus, he goes, thanks, and walked away. <laughs> he goes to the doctor the next day, the, the specialist in Nashville, Tennessee. The guy looks at the x-rays of the day, well, well, he didn't know the day, he saw the x-rays in the break. He x-rays his knee again. He says, I don't know how long ago these x-rays were taken, but that's not what your leg looks like. He said, what happened? He said, your legs have never been broken. There's not even a sign or a seam where it was mended. You have no broken leg whatsoever. And he put them side by side. One day, two breaks. The next day, not even a trace of a break. God makes the crooked places straight. Amen? Amen. Now, the reason I say all that is this. God is calling his people out. Many, many believers that I've been talking to and pastors and teachers have felt the same thing. God is calling his people out. And it doesn't matter how young you are or how old. If you're breathing air and you believe in the Lord, God's calling you to more. Amen? Amen. And what I'm talking about is a paradigm shift of your mentality. God's not concerned with the momentary thoughts here and there. God's concerned with the process of thought that we carry as people. Because many times the thoughts that we think are anti-Christ thoughts. What do I mean? You can't afford to have anything in your mind that God doesn't think towards you. Amen? What I mean is this. If you're saying, oh, I'm just worthless, I'm a nobody. Sometimes young people say that because they want pity. Let me tell you what you're really doing. You're downgrading the cross. Why? Because the Lord doesn't die for worthless people. He dies for his treasure. Amen? So when you say, I'm worthless and I'm nothing, you're buying into the thoughts of the enemy. You're creating a stronghold in your life for the enemy to abound instead of grace abounding unto the Lord because he says he loves you. You see that? I know the Lord loves me. No one can move me from that revelation. So when the enemy comes and says you're worthless, I get to laugh a lot because I know he's trying to stop something great that's about to occur. Amen? And my name is Kerr. What's up? 
But see, here's the thing. Everybody say kingdom stuff. This kingdom has started advancing to such a degree that amazing things are stirring. Now, about nine months ago, I went through, uh, I'm going to testify a little bit and go into scripture, but about nine months ago, I went through chemical poisoning. Don't know how it all transpired, but my body was hit with some type of chemicals that sent my entire system into haywire mode. Um, I thought I was dying at one time. I went to two hospitals. Medical bills were through the roof. Insurance went crazy. We were left with a bunch of debt. And my wife and I were sitting there thinking about all this. The stress was high. And everything in the natural was saying, the bills are too high. You can't handle it. You don't feel real good. The enemy's fighting. You notice when everything seems to be hard, we have a tendency to question if God's good. All that was happening. I looked at my wife. And I said, honey, my faith is being tested right now. My daughter looks at me and she said, daddy, God's always good. Amen? I looked at her, went outside in the woods, and even my dog is looking at me like, God's always good. <laughs> the nature was coming at me. Now, I know God in his power. I've seen him heal the sick, lame walk. I watched the blind see. I've seen legs grow out. I've, I've, I've seen God create organs that weren't present in the human body. But to be acquainted with God's nature means that you have to start acting like him. Amen? It's like the teacher at school who says, look at the board, do what it says, read your book. But the teacher who says, come and walk with me means I'm expecting you to act like me. Amen? Jesus never tells people to just read about him. He always calls people to walk with him. And so here's the key. This stuff was on me, and I said, God, I know you're good. He said, get in my presence. And as soon as I started pressing into the presence of God, he said, I'm calling you and Global Force Church to be a people of radical generosity. I said, what do you mean? He said, generous in every part of your nature, acting like me. Jesus, amen? He means in giving, in serving, in loving, in praying, everything, in worship, Radical worship that doesn't worry about a time frame, a song, meter, or beat, but it's about Jesus. Even if you stop playing just because you can't help but sing in tongues, it's for him. Amen. So this started pouring out. And in the midst of it all, the Lord tells my wife and I, I want you to sow a seed into someone. I said, Lord, we can't do that right now. He said, isn't it funny? You always look at what you don't have rather than what you do have. Think about it. Most Christians have a mentality of deficit. That when God asks you to do something, you automatically turn to see what you have yourself instead of knowing that he called you to it and will supply. Amen? So the mentality of deficit is an antichrist thought. And so there I was. I said, Lord, I don't have that to give. He said, actually, you do, but there's fear involved. Everything you do is either based on love or fear every time. Amen? How many of you have ever walked down the hall at your school and had fear? Let's be real. How many of you have ever been afraid of what people thought of you? Some of you are lying. I'm going to give an altar call for lying. <laughs> How many of you have been afraid that you didn't look just right or dress just right or didn't have the prettiest hair that day? Now, I know some lying's going on. I've seen some of y'all walking here like, okay? Don't play all humble now. I'm a pious Christian. No, you're a human being. We all want to look good, don't we? But Jesus always looks better. And I can promise you this, you will never know peace like he says you can have, peace that passes understanding until you make his presence your pursuit, your desire, and your calm. 
When I know he loves me, it doesn't matter how I look. It doesn't matter what I wear. It's Christ alone, and I will be at peace. Amen? Amen. So this seed thing comes up, and the Lord said, I need you to do this. I said, Lord, what are you calling us to? He said, radical generosity on all sides. And I said, Lord, you're stirring this up. He said, yes, just do it. Trust me, I'm taking you farther. So we did. The moment we did, no lie, we get a call from two of the doctors that we had the largest bill with, and both doctors, separate phones, separate cities, calling us. And they said, we don't know why, we've never done this, but we're supposed to cancel your debt. And I'm kind of like, you want me to sell anything else? Let me give away a car. What do you want me to do? You know, anything. But it started firing it up, and all of a sudden, those debts were canceled. Then another doctor called and said, these debts are canceled. And by the way, we need you to come to our office and tell us about the Lord because we know you're pastors. And I'm going, come on. Do you know why? Everything Jesus did was radical generosity from the heartbeat of the Father. Amen? Everything he did was based on compassion and love with no fear being allowed in. Could you imagine what would happen with your life in the public school system, in your home, unto your parents, unto your siblings, unto your friends, if you had no fear and all you had was love? They'd probably be afraid of you, I mean, you know? Because you'd be walking in kingdom stuff. Everybody say kingdom stuff. And take a look at Jeremiah 29, 11. I want to talk to you about this kingdom because we've seen God begin to cancel debts, doors opening, radical healings and jeremiah 29 11 says i know the thoughts that i think towards you says the lord thoughts of what and not of evil to give you a future and a hope keep that up there for me guys he says i know the thoughts i think towards you that means god's thinking about you amen all the time now if you have a thought in your mind that is not the way god thinks towards you then you're actually creating a stronghold for the enemy to abide in Amen? My wife and I, in our marriage, I cannot afford to allow any thought of the enemy to come in towards my wife in any way, shape, or form. It's the number one place the enemy tries to strike. Why? Because the marriage is the perfect picture of God's salvation between the bride and groom. Amen? So when the enemy comes in and says, you're angry, you're frustrated, arguing, get offended about something... I automatically throw that away, find her, and give her a big old kiss and a hug and say, I refuse to let the enemy in. Then she goes, what did the enemy say about me? (laughs) That you guard your heart, you guard your mind. I know that God thinks good things towards me. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. I know that according to his word, I have a future and a hope, right? How many of you have ever been afraid of the future? Right? The world tells you, make a big plan to secure a future that isn't here yet. Now, I'm not against making a plan, but I am against fearing days that aren't here yet, because depression should never be in one single Christian ever on planet Earth. Is there any depression in heaven? Is there anybody up there right now in heaven going, I so wish I had a Zoloft, this is taking forever. Is that happening? Is there anyone anyone afraid in heaven? Sick? Having a bad day? Broke? Joyful? Peaceful? Laughing? Rejoicing? Dancing? Partaying? Amen? 
And did you know that you can have the mind of Christ in all things? But that means you're going to have to do some warfare. That means you're going to have to do war against thoughts that don't look like heaven. Amen. Now this is kind of tough, especially the day and time we live in, because mass media tries to pump into our brain thoughts and thinking that are against the nature of God. Right? For instance, you turn on the television, turn on the radio, and you begin to take in things that tell you to chase after the opposite sex in a relationship to connect and do things outside of a covenant of marriage. You may say, in Jesus' name, I never will, but I submit this to you. You pump enough of this world into your head, your feet follow what you think. As much as you may say in here, I will never do the things that are against God, if you're pumping all the junk that's out there into here, you will go against God. Because out of the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? And as a man thinks in his heart, that's what he is. But God knows that what you put in your eyes and your ears is what you're going to walk out. I've seen some people say, well, I'm bound to my region, to my financial status. I'm bound by my color. How many of you know God doesn't care what color you are? He cares what your belief structure is. He's not worried about color. God can do anything with a heart that's submitted to him. Amen? But it's submission of heart that's the tough part. Submission of heart means there's a breaking. People that want to see Jesus manifest in their life schedule time with the one they want to see manifest. Amen? How many of you want the Lord to manifest in your life, work through you in power? That's a lot of hands. Now let's do the math and let's be honest. How many of you have not taken time in the last week to spend about an hour in the presence of God on your face? Just be honest. You're not going to burn. Just put your hand up if, if you, you haven't spent time. Okay, so how many of you want to see God do things? Okay, hands down. The reason I say that is because it's clear there's a, there's a desire. You want to see Jesus move, right? But yet it's proof that our habits and our nature are kicking against a kingdom desire inside. You've just proved that you have a spirit man that knows the will of God, but you're battling flesh that is not saved, right? Now, how many of you are frustrated with your flesh sometimes? You ever had your flesh tell you to do stupid stuff? Right? You ever just been walking by like an animal and, the, and something just kick, kick it? I see cats. I want to kick them. Football. Do I obey that? No. Have I before? Yeah. They just go far with four, but they land on their feet. It's okay. But everybody say thinking. Look at your neighbor and say, dude. You've so got to change stinking thinking. <laughs> now check it out. Check it out. Everybody say this with me. My God <laughs> thinks good things towards me. My God <laughs> says I have a future <laughs> and a hope. Now, if God is true and his nature is sure and his word is right, then what we just read to you about that, that's God's promise, right? That means any thought that comes at me that challenges that, I have to make a choice to either let it remain and try to trump that, or I have to cast it down. 
Now, have you ever had a thought enter your mind that was a dirty thought, lustful thought? How many of you have ever had a thought of lust enter your mind? Oh, you're so lying. Some of you are like, I'm in church, I can't say that. Here, you're a human being, and the nature of flesh, lust. I don't mean just lust over, uh, you know, girls or guys. I'm talking about lusting for things, lusting for stuff. You want so much, and you're not getting it. Anybody like that? Desire and lust, they war against your soul. Now, check out 2 Corinthians 10, and we're about to dive in deep. Everybody say deep. deep. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in who? God. For pulling down what? Amen? Amen? Next verse. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Everybody say, obey Christ. Go back to that, that uh, verse 3. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Now, anytime you have a thought process, thought pattern in your life that you know is antichrist or not of God, if you continue to hang on to it, the enemy sets up a stronghold in that thought process. What is a stronghold? It's built by a warring factor... A stronghold is a place that they go into to rest so that from that place they can go forth and do exploits, okay? So when you have thoughts going on that are clearly not of God's word and you let them abide, remain, and feed them, the enemy is now having a stronghold in your life and he's completely safe in it because you've chosen to not change your thinking. Therefore, you're torn continually. Part of you wants to follow God. The other, uh, other half of your flesh is following Satan. Because it's stuck with wisdom of man. Everybody say man's wisdom. For instance, the doctor told Todd, your leg is broken in two places. He did not seek the wisdom of men. He immediately said, I know what God's word says. I'm going to call the elders forth. We're going to anoint with oil. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. We pray. He goes back. He goes in there, gets the x-ray. Bones were completely mended with no sign of a break. Now, some people wouldn't do that. They would have accepted what the doctor said and said, that's the way it is. Now, granted, breaking his leg, it wasn't life-threatening. But Todd said, I know how big God is, and I want his kingdom to be the, the, the true factor of my life. So he prays, and a miracle begins to manifest. Amen? Another lady. She well, serves in our cafe at the church. She's actually my next-door neighbor. And her blood pressure spiked. She started getting dizzy. She began to pass out in the kitchen, was falling down. They took her to the car. Her husband was driving her home. As they're driving down the road, we said, get her on the phone. The whole sanctuary gathers together and prays. And while we're praying, she starts screaming over the phone. And I'm thinking, they're in a wreck. Lord, we shouldn't have prayed. <laughs> and all of a sudden, we hear them going, "Woo, hallelujah. And they're having a party for God. They sent back a text and said, God just moved powerfully. My blood pressure just normalized. Everything changed. They got out and danced around their car on the highway. <laughs> Amen? Now, that may sound strange, but what did we do? We saw something that was an injustice compared to the kingdom of God. So we overtook it with God's justice and commanded it to change. Amen? Now, think about it. Did Jesus do strange stuff? 
Jesus wrecked funerals, didn't he? Every time he did a miracle, what happened? Somebody was glad and everybody else was mad. He'd multiply fish and bread and people were like, I'm going to kill him. Why? I like food. Multiply it all day long. Like, you want to kill him, I want to invite him over for barbecue. Amen? Come on down. But what was it? His nature. Why did he multiply the food? Because that's God being good. Amen? Understand, when you see a miracle, it's not a divine intervention from heaven. It's a revelation of God's nature so that you will desire him more. Amen? It's a picture of him. When I first got saved, I would see God in what I call the lightning years. It was that first year of power going everywhere. I'd sow a seed and two seconds later, bang, harvest. I was like, oh, this is awesome. And then later on, it seemed to take a little longer. And I said, God, what's happening? Is my faith low? He said, no. I just don't want you acquainted with my acts. I want you acquainted with my nature. And if you're acquainted with my nature, you don't care if it's instant or if it takes time. You know who I am and that I will come through. Amen? That's where God wants his people. He wants you acquainted with nature to the point that his nature is in you, by the way, can come out. It says he's given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. Amen? As I've taught you a billion times, you weren't given a junior Holy Ghost when you got saved. You don't got like, you know, junior in there going, someday I'm going to be a big Holy Ghost. That's not what it is. <laughs> right? He's in you in full power. But people don't realize, it says the same spirit that raised up Christ. Think about this, guys. How many of you are saved? Now, now listen. The spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in you right now. When Jesus rose from the grave, he didn't raise up because he was Jesus. He didn't go, I'm Jesus. Ha. That was no. He rose up because the Holy Spirit did it. That same Spirit's in you and I. And he wants out. But he can't be released if this doesn't change. Why? Think about it. You will never have boldness to act like someone until you've been around them enough to know that you're getting it right. Amen? Everybody say yeah. And I've seen this too. People say, well, what if I make a mistake? How many of you have ever watched pro baseball? You ever watched a pro baseball player get up to the plate and hit the ball every single time and never one time miss it? No. They hit. If they strike out, they go back and they keep going. The problem with Christians is they go, I'm going to go pray for the sick at Walmart. They pray once, and if it doesn't happen, they go, I quit, and they walk off the field. What did you prove? You weren't a pro. You're a beginner. You see? Well, I'm afraid people will think I'm weird. That proves to you that your nature, his nature, is not your heart yet because you're still too busy thinking about what people think of you. When we're done with us, he can invade. Remember, we must decrease, he must increase. But pastor, I want people to like me. We all do. But until we get over it, we will never see heaven on earth. Amen? Maybe it's that I'm 42 and I'm just getting older. I just don't care what people think a whole lot anymore. And the older I get, it seems to get worse. When I'm 80, I'm going to be bad news. I'll be like, where's the sick? Get out of my way. I'm going to pray for 35,000 people. I don't care. <laughs> Truthfully, if I walk like that when I'm, when I'm 80, I want you to pray for me. But here's the thing. The kingdom of God invading, showing up in power, manifesting in great ways. When you understand his nature, you start expecting it to be. Remember, we are ambassadors for Christ or representatives we represent him as he is. Because as he is, so are we.
Now, he lives in me. His spirit's in me. All he asks me to do is see his nature, and when opportunity arises, step out and release his nature. Amen? Everything Jesus did was out of compassion and love. He never told any human being to be religious. Did you know that? He never looked at a person that was born again and said, now, I want you to go to church every day, sit there and do nothing else and just be a good churchgoer. Don't forsake the gathering of yourself together. You need to be in church. You need to be gathering together. If you're a part of this group, you shouldn't miss a single time they gather because it's strength for you. But you gather to be equipped, so you take this out there. Amen? I had a pastor say to me, he said, you cannot expect teenagers to go after God to this degree. I said, excuse me. All through the Bible, there were people who did it. I've seen young people at the age of 13 begin to worship God and radically seek Him and just choose to act like Him. It's like that young girl in uh, Illinois. I told you the story before. Half her hair was red, half was orange. She got radically saved that night. A friend brought her. She worked at Walmart. A friend brought her that night to the youth meeting. She gives her heart to the Lord. She heard the, the message of the kingdom. And she looks at me and she goes, Jesus healed the sick. I said, yes. She goes, I just received Him tonight. I said, okay. She said, does he want us to act like him? I said, yes. And she looks at me and she goes, he's inside me, right? Yeah, you're born again? Amen. She goes, okay, and ran out the door. We get a text message from another employee over there and says, what happened to so-and-so? The youth pastor said, what do you mean? She's running up and down the aisles looking for sick people and she's laying hands on them. <laughs> and the people are getting healed. This girl was not a church attender. She didn't grow up in Bible school. She was a brand new born-again believer who just knew that Jesus loved her, that he lived inside of her, and wanted her to act like him. So she stepped out in simple faith, and miracles began to happen. Half her hair red, half her hair orange. And there's no better way for your head to be on fire. <laughs> right? But the truth is, when it says, Though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to it. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments. Now, casting down arguments, it's a violent term. It means to take anything that you know is against God and you cast it out of your mind. That doesn't mean if you're arguing with someone, you look at them and go, I cast you down. <laughs> you probably get smacked. It means you don't allow any thought that is fighting against God's kingdom to enter in or to stay long because you guard the territory from strongholds of the enemy. My marriage was a wreck for years. I knew how to travel and preach the gospel. I did not know how to be a married man. And the Lord began to deal with Rochelle and I. He said, you got to change your thinking. So we did. We started looking in the word. I saw what the Bible says a man should be and do for his wife. So I said, Lord, I don't know how but I'm going to step out in faith until that becomes my normal. And as soon as that started happening, everything changed. All of a sudden, it was just like fireworks all the time. There was joy and there was peace. And then it became a balance of knowing how to guard that when the enemy tries to come in, you cast it down quickly because you safeguard what you have reached for. Amen? Um, how many of you have a bank account? Okay, if the ushers will come forward. I'm just kidding. How many of you do have a bank account, by the way? Now, if you put money in, how many of you have money in that account? That's a good question, because some people go, I don't got nothing, but I got an account. 
If you put money in, say on Friday, and Monday comes around, and you go up to the ATM and you, or to the teller, and you say, I'd like to withdraw some money, they're going to ask you the account number. You give them that number because you have confidence that what you put in is there, right? You don't go up and beg for the money, do you? You don't go and say, please, I need money. I got to buy some bubble gum. No. You've invested there. You sowed the seed into it. You've deposited that so you know it's there to draw from, right? So there's confidence when you ask. Now, if you don't know what's in there, then you may pull up and go, can I have some money? They're going to go, what's your account number? I don't know. They're going to say, well, we don't know if you can. But when you know the number, then if you still don't know what's in there, you're like, do I have any money? When they say, yes, you do, you go, whoo, bring it on, right? Confidence returns. Most believers' lives look like what I just said. They pull up to the spiritual teller. Um, can, I, can I get some healing? Well, what's the account number? Uh, Jesus? Yeah. Is there anything in that account? The teller's going to go, that's for you to figure out. You have to know what's in your account in heaven to withdraw from that account. Amen? I know what he died to give me. He deposited the entire kingdom to me. The word is anapipto. It means a transfer of kingdom. Everything that is in the king is in the kingdom. And he says the kingdom of God is inside you. Amen? So I know that in heaven's bank, which he put in me and in you, is everything that pertains to life and godliness. But when I have thinking that fights against the truth here, this remains sealed and unable to come out. God wants to be able to withdraw his kingdom in power and do exploits everywhere you go. Now, I'm not saying you got to shave your head and stand on the street corner going, ah, Jesus loves you. That's not what I'm talking about. An everyday walk with the Lord that is so full of peace, so full of power, that when you see someone who's hurting, your spirit man should rise up and say, go and pray. Amen? Or you see someone who's struggling to pay their bill at a restaurant, and you go, ah, yeah, opportunity. Hey, by the way, let me take care of that. Why would you do that? Because someone did it for me. Someone paid my debt. Oh, and by the way, here's a little extra. Where are you going next week? You going to, okay, well, here's for that one too. Why? Because God overloads you with benefits and shows you goodness when you don't deserve it, and it makes you repent. Amen? Amen. Acting like your king is natural for king's kids. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, oh, I'm a child of the king. Amen? But check this out. It says, weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against God's knowledge, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Um, one of my mentors when I was growing up in the faith, um, I was under his ministry for a time, was Jesse Duplantis. You guys know him? And uh, I remember <laughs> at his 25-year ministry celebration, um, he was telling a story of traveling to a city to preach. He was inside a vehicle with a young man from the church where he was preaching who had picked him up at the airport. They're driving back, and Jesse used to have a really bad drinking problem. And he saw a billboard on the left side of the highway that had a big bottle of Jack Daniels. And he said he was sitting in the passenger seat, and his mouth started watering, and he started desiring it. He's like, what is this? And this kid's sitting there thinking, I'm in the car with Jesse Duplantis. Yeah. He's just all trying to be, you know, drive right and not wreck and kill the man of God. Amen? So he's driving, and Jesse's going, 
And all of a sudden, Jesse went, I rebuke you. And the kid's like, ah, and he's honking and losing his mind. He said, are you okay? He goes, yeah, I just had to cast down a thought. Can you imagine if you did that every second of the day? <laughs> You're at McDonald's. I like a Big Mac meal. Shut up! Oh! People would have you on meds. Like, you hear about Bobby. Yeah, he yells at stuff. Right? Imagine if you did that in your marriage. Imagine that. Honey, I just want you to know I love you. Shut up, Satan. Who? Right? But this is the process of casting down an argument. When the argument comes, it's a war against your soul. It's a war against heaven trying to stop you from the destiny you're called to. Amen? And so when you see an injustice, some people go about it the wrong way. Some people go about it like this. They see a person who's hurting or a situation, and they walk up and try to be overly Christian. You ever seen that? They walk up under this guy's like, I'm going to be really super nice. And hi, bless you. How are you? We're here to pray for you. <laughs> it's that weird look, and you're like, ah. You want to go, shut up. <laughs> but they begin, you know, and, and God doesn't want you to do that. What he's saying is be you, and as you're operating in your daily life, situations will naturally start to manifest. He wants you to simply be normal in the supernatural. Amen? God wants the way of heaven to be the natural operating force for every day of your life. Right? But that also means this. That means you may have to ditch some relationships that are causing you to think according to the world. That means you have to turn off sometimes that popular television show that is warring against your soul and causing you to lust 24-7. That may mean you look at all your friends on Facebook and say, guys, no offense, I'm done. Because God said that one thing he hates is discord among the brethren and I'm tired of the Facebook drama and chaos. I'm turning it off and the hours I would have spent online, I'm gonna go to the mall and heal somebody in Jesus' name. Amen? Now some people say, that would be awesome. But how can I get the boldness to go do that? As I said, if you're not spending time in the presence of the Lord, then this message will make no sense to you because you'll see it as rules and tasks. Jesus spoke some, to some Pharisees once in the Bible, and he says, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And he says, but they testify of me, but you weren't willing to come to me. In other words, when you read God's word, it's to lead you to an encounter with him. Word of God that does not lead to an encounter with the presence of Jesus produces religious folks who know how to debate and battle with words, but they don't have God's love. Amen? As I've said, you can read books from other authors and know the topic, but when you spend time with the author, it causes you to be able to share the true heart. Reading God's word pushes me to the presence of God because I can't go out and do the exploits of the Lord unless his love is the prevailing factor. Amen? But if I just read the word to try to find a sermon, I can tell you what it says. But if his love isn't present, no one's getting anything. Amen? See, sometimes we think that there's two sides of, of the Christian walk. We hear some preaching and every now and then God does something. Understand, when God said, through his son on the cross, it is finished. He was saying, it's done. 
And Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father when he took the blood into heaven. He sat down, and God was forever satisfied. The Father's wrath was satisfied. So God is rest. He's at rest, right? That's why when I see people say, well, I'm asking God to do a miracle. Here's what the Lord's been saying. Stop asking me for what I've already provided and start acting like me to be a conduit that I can flow through. Amen? God's basically saying the buffet is set. Learn what I've given you and start giving it away. Peter said, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I give you, right? Now, this does change the paradigm of ministry. It changes the whole facet of the way we do church, of the way we engage people. It changes the entire picture, the structure of your existence as a human being. And Jesus dealt with that in the Word. He looked at his disciples one day, and he said, guys, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now get this. Jesus loved to say things that really messed up the minds of his disciples. Okay? He looks at them. He'd just gotten done multiplying fish and bread to thousands. Amen? He's like Captain D's on charge right there. <laughs> Two-piece fish dinner going on. Fish and bread multiplied. He, they just saw that. Then he says, guys, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they look at him and they go, okay. They're trying to think. And, and Jesus is sitting there going, you don't get it, do you? And they look at each other and they go, you got it? Yeah. It's because we have no bread, right? And Jesus is like, no, this has nothing to do with the sandwich, boys. He says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod because of this. Leaven of the Pharisees. The Pharisees was the religious system that had Jesus at the center, okay, but denied his power. He says, beware of that thinking. Beware of any place that says we love Jesus but isn't willing to act like him in power. Amen? 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 Amen. Amen. What is he saying? He's calling his people out. He's saying, I didn't call you just to take up a chair in church and say amen and give a tithe or two and hopefully one day get to heaven. He said, I invested my entire kingdom in you so that I could move through you to be hands and feet. But beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Beware of any system that says we love Jesus but denies his power to operate. The leaven of Herod, that government system that says we don't want your God, just act like us under control, right? It's humanistic in nature. It's satanic in nature. It's saying, deny him, act like us, and everything will be at peace. But what you have to come to grips with is that if you're going to start acting like Jesus in your everyday life, some people are going to hate you. They just are. Here's the other newsflash. Even if you don't act like Jesus in your daily life, some people are going to hate you. Some people don't even know you and they don't like you because your hair's different. Right? Just look at your neighbor and say, I like your hair. <laughs> now think. Think about this. Let's give a scenario. Let's give a scenario. Everybody say, here we go. You're at Walmart, aisle three. Don't know why, but aisle three is cool, right? Aisle three. Now, we're hanging out in aisle three. All of a sudden, a man comes around the corner in a wheelchair. What do most Christians do? They go, I know, oh, Lord, I, in Jesus' name, I want that man to get up. But usually they pass by, amen, and keep going. Why? Because although they know in their spirit all things are possible because that's where the Lord's abiding, 
the flesh and their mind, which is the ruling factor for how you operate here, is not in unity with what's going on here. Does the Bible not say a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways? Right? What is double-mindedness? A spirit man that's born again, but a mind that's not renewed. So therefore, when your spirit says, go right, your mind says, no way, and your feet follow what your brain thinks. You see? But when you start renewing your mind, and the two collide, all of a sudden you're in aisle three, and you see someone in that wheelchair, out of nowhere, your spirit man goes, go, and you go, yeah. Why? Because you're acting like Jesus, right? I was at a, um, what store was it? I think it was Walmart. I do a lot of things at Walmart. About a week ago, we were buying some dance clothes for my daughter. She does ballet. And it was like some little pants or something she had to have, and they had them there. So we go. And I couldn't find my wife. Now, you guys know me. I'm not real quiet. Amen? <laughs> I'm walking around Walmart, doing my thing. And all of a sudden, Rochelle is supposed to be in one spot with my daughter. And it's just me and my son, Levi. And Levi looks at me. He goes, Dad, where's Mom? I'm like, I don't know. He goes, we can't find her. So we kind of look, and we're trying to be quiet, polite people hi how are you hi how are you good to see you okay hi. i'm looking can't find her i searched the whole store when you can't find someone through all the aisles what do you do oh i got vocal i got vocal person walked by me and there I mean, it was a lady who was working there and i go rochelle <laughs> and the whole store <sighs> and there were people with kids and they're like turn right get away from the man <laughs> they just knew i had a gun I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden I hear, what? Where are you? Automotive. It's like, okay. And I just walked over and found her. Now, most people would have said, but that was a little bit disruptive and a little weird. Hey, it saved me time, and I found my wife. Amen? <laughs> well, but what if people think you're kind of, see, the whole picture of most of the reason why we don't do things like Jesus it's not because we don't want to. It's because the opinion of another human being who's breathing air, who needs to see you step out in Jesus' name, means more to you than his call. Amen? And I know that's hard. We all face it. We fight it every day. There's been times I've been in prayer, and the Lord says, get up and go to the drive-thru. I have a lot of revivals at drive-thrus. Hardee's and McDonald's especially. Amen. And I pull up to the door, and I'll be sitting right there at the little window, and they go, hi, how are you? And I'm like, I'm good. And before they can do anything, I'm like, hey, what's your name? I'm Bob. Hey, Bob, good to meet you. Bob, I know this may sound strange. I just got out of prayer. I'm going to pray for you right now. What do you need prayer for? They always go, uh. <laughs> I mean, you can tell. It's like, hey, I know your life right now is probably headed to hell in a handbag. You could actually have me pray for a lot, but you're afraid. And I told this one lady, Margie, she was at the window. I said, Margie, what am I praying for? She said, the doctor told me I have pleurisy and I got situations. I said, give me your hand. She said, what are you going to pray for? I said, I'm going to heal you in the name of Jesus. Well, is that you taking glory? Who did I say? In the name of Jesus. Not the name of Jason. I can't heal anybody. I said, give me your hand. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I command every curse that is upon this body, every disease to flee at the name that is above every name. In the name of Jesus, Margie, be healed. She goes, what is that? I said, that's the presence of the Lord. She goes, where do you go to church? <laughs> I said, I passed her down the road. She goes, I'll be there Sunday. She showed up Sunday healed. So watch, watch. <laughs> her daughter came with her, hit her husband. Then her son, who was a drug addict, who just got out of rehab, shows up, gives his heart to the Lord. Everybody say, yeah. yeah. 
But here's the difference. It's not about just saying, I'm going to get radical for God. I've watched a lot of people try to operate in the kingdom on zeal. You should be zealous about a lot of things in, in Christ. But zeal can never take the place of presence. Zeal comes from presence. Amen? I'm zealous about my wife. I spend time in her presence. Right? Just this morning, she gets up. It was her birthday yesterday. She gets up, and I'm like, how are you doing? She goes, I slept awful. And I'm like, that's all right. And I'm sitting there, and I'm rubbing her shoulders, and she's doing carrot juice in the morning. And I'm like, girl, I love you so much. Mm, you got breath like a dragon. Hey, but it's okay. I'm going to love you. And Levi's next to me going, sing it, Dad. Just having a ball. Just having a good time. Why could I act that way? Because presence. I know it's not going to offend her. I don't feel, feel weird doing it because I've been close. Most people feel strange acting like Jesus because they haven't been in the presence of him enough to know that it's okay. Amen? I don't have a problem talking to crowds. I've done it a long time. I'm used to it. But when God tells you to go after things that are new for you, um, the church I'm preaching at tomorrow morning in Covington, the church at Covington, they're doing their family day. It's around 1,500 folks that meet out there. And the Lord told me tomorrow morning, he said, I want you to preach the full kingdom. So I'm expecting big things. It was also a church where about seven years ago, we saw a rod that was in a guy's back melt and his body was made whole. Incredible. Um, but the Lord told me, he said, uh, you know, acting like me and doing these things, it's part of who I am, but I'm calling you to step out. And that was a church years ago. He told me to go after arthritis. I said, what do you mean? He said, people whose hands are crumpled. Sometimes we'll say, I can believe God for that. But when you see an elderly woman with her fingers like this saying, pray for me, the Lord always told me, he said, don't stare at the ailment, stare at the answer. Amen? And there was an 80-something-year-old lady in a black dress sitting in the, in the congregation, about 1,000 there that day. Her hands were crumpled up. And I said, ma'am, can I pray over you? She goes, no, but you can heal this in Jesus' name. I said, oh, come on. I love it when they do that because it's like, ah, oh, the ground's broken there. She comes up, she said, take my hands. And I took those crumpled hands, and he said, Lord, we know what your word says. It is finished. By your stripes, she is healed. She said, thank you. She just stepped back, and even with pain, it hurt her to do this. She goes, and was forcing her hands out with all she had, and as soon as it got halfway out, she went, <gasps> and her hands were on fire and straightened out, and her knuckles went down. The entire church saw it. It was after a young man on the left side of the church that saw that walked up and pulled the diabetes monitor out of his body, and he was healed of diabetes that day. Understand, that may sound strange. But my question is this. If Jesus said, his will be done on earth like it is in heaven, then I think he's looking for a few ambassadors to get his will done in the earth through. Amen? But he knows that there are a few who will actually say, Lord... I'll go, because it means a dying of self. It means a time of seeking. Sometimes it means a life that can be a little difficult emotionally every now and then, because everything fights against it. The enemy is not afraid of most Christians, because he knows that they know how to do good church. But do they know how to be the church outside the doors? You see? Just start training yourself to get used to finding things that don't look like heaven and go after them. What if they think I'm strange? You already are. Get over that. <laughs> Amen. I mean, think of, what's your name? What is it? Natalie. Natalie. Do you believe the Lord lives in you? 
Do you believe the Lord will give you the boldness to do miracles in his name? Amen. So in Jesus' name, dive in his presence, soak up his word, and share it with others and watch it take place. See, God's not looking for you to be some special prophet where you walk in Walmart and go, the Lord says, I'll three's got a big old sale. And it's <laughs> he wants you in a place where you just say, Lord, I'm here. I've been in your presence, seeking your face, and I know you can move and manifest. So manifest through me. You can be carriers of God's glory. Carriers of his presence. I shared this at camp this year, but I want to share this again tonight. And what are we, when do we close now? Okay. 10 o'clock, right? Touch my hand. Is your hand wet right now? Touch her hand. Touch her hand. There's hand wash after, don't worry. Touch her hand. Is your hand wet? A little bit? Touch hers? How about yours? Touch hers? Nothing, is there? It's like, yeah, kind of nothing. So there was some on you, and you, and you. By the time it got to you, notice it was dried up, right? How many of you know Jesus got away early in the morning to seek his father and pray? He was soaking up the presence of the Most High so that when he went out, it could be dispensed upon people, right? As believers, you've been given access to the very throne of grace to go into the presence of God, soak up his presence, and let him squeeze it out on people around you. But just like your hands dry off, you need to go back into the presence of God because everything in this world wars against your soul. It wars against the kingdom. So getting in his presence refreshes you, renews you, recharges you to go and pour out in his name. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, do that. <clears throat> now, think about this, and I'll close. If somebody could come play the keyboard or hum or... Now... Think about this, guys. When Peter was talking to Jesus and, and the disciples, <clears throat> Jesus says, who do men say that I am? Okay? Who, who do men say that I am? Oh, John the Baptist, or John, one of the prophets. Who do you say that I am? Peter says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Right? He got it right. One of the only times Peter got it right. <clears throat> he's like, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he's waiting. And he's like, right. Oh, yes. He probably looked at the other disciples and was like, who got it? So Jesus says, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. In other words, Peter, you just heard from heaven. You got revelation from my father. Okay? And Peter's going, wow, yeah. And Jesus says, and by the way, guys, in a few days, they're going to take me. They're going to crucify me. I'm going to be buried, and I'll raise on the third day. And Peter says, Lord, this shall not happen to you. The guy who just heard from heaven, Jesus turns and says, get behind me, Satan. What would you do? I'd be like, I thought you said I heard from God. Now you call me Satan. What's up? What was he saying? He said, Peter. Get behind me, Satan, for you are mindful of the things of men, not the things of God. In other words, Peter, you are a picture of the perfect conundrum that's happening to every human being always in Christ. You heard from the Father, but now when something has come, it pushed the buttons of your flesh and you reacted by emotion and flesh. He was saying, Peter, you aren't Satan, but the thought you just bought into is satanic in nature. That was an anti-Christ thought, Peter. 
You could have cast it down, but you spoke it out. So Jesus had to cast it down and rebuke it. Do you see that? Jesus was very guarded. He said, I refuse to have any thought enter anywhere near me that isn't of my Father. Amen? Is that a train? Just making sure we weren't having manifestation. But here's the thing. He said, Peter, yeah, you heard from my father, but then you were listening to flesh, and so you bought into it, and you spoke according to how you felt. Okay? You're mindful of the things of men, not the things of God. Your mind is full of this realm right now, not the things of God. You had a moment where, boom, you plugged in. But the bulk of your life right now is mindful of the things of men. How do we know that? Because when Jesus was in the garden, and they came to take him away, Peter, once again, mindful of flesh, he takes a sword, cuts a dude's ear off, right? Cuts it off, and Jesus says, stop. You live by that, you're going to die by that. Jesus had the mind of the Father. He reaches down, takes the ear, dusts it off, and sticks it back on his head. I bet Peter was going, yeah, I, how'd you do that? <laughs> right? He was blowing their minds. He's saying, Peter, what you did was just an injustice. It's an injustice against heaven. You cut the ear off someone that I love. So I'm going to bring justice to your injustice, and I'm going to put the ear back on and make him whole. Amen? The mind of Christ versus the mind of man. You can walk in the mind of Christ, but I'm telling you guys now, God's calling your generation out. I firmly believe that the Lord will not allow the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to continue in its patterns in this nation the way it's gone. It doesn't mean that it's bad. It doesn't mean we're some awful people. We love Jesus with all our heart. But what he says is, if you are my disciples and you truly love me, then come into my presence until you begin to act like me because I need some folks to show myself strong through. I don't want to introduce people to church services. I want to introduce people to me. That's what the Lord's saying. Amen? Some people may never set foot in 5979, but you can set foot where they are. Amen? And be Jesus to them. You may have a friend right now that is angry at God, angry at church. And you keep saying, just come back to church, just come back to church. What you need to do is say, I'm going to be the church to you. And the goodness of God will lead you to repentance, and then you'll want to come back to the gathering. Amen? You see the difference? Sometimes we think this is the holding tank. This is the feeding zone right here. Amen? To equip you. The Bible says this is where you get equipped to go forth and do ministry. Amen? And he wants you to do exploits in his name. That means at your age, you can go forth and do that. I'll close for the third time. Um, a, young, uh, well, a young church, I, sh I would say, called me. They had a pretty big children's ministry. And I don't, I don't really go and speak to children's ministries. And they called and they said, we know you don't do this normally, but we've got like 200 children that we are doing a camp for in the middle of the woods. We want you to come speak to them. And I was just like, ah, listen, I, and the Lord said, you have to go. I went, okay, I'll go. I go down there to Mississippi. It was like 4,000 degrees and bugs bigger than us. <laughs> and the first night of ministry, I'm sitting on the picnic table and all these kids are going, I love you, you know. And I'm sitting there going, Lord, what am I going to teach these kids? He said, I'm here to teach you. I went, okay. So all of a sudden, I teach them the word. We're having a great time and just enjoying the word. And then I said, let's pray for some folks. And some sick folks came up, some sick kids. And these little kids went around. And I watched these little children 
laying hands on sick kids, and they said, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, be healed. And little kids were getting healed. I said, Lord, he said, there's nothing broken here. Their hearts aren't filled with a bunch of religion. They're in love with me, and they're glad to share it because they've been taught to at this age. Now, most of those kids are now older teenagers, and some of them adults. And the churches they're in are filled with heaven's power because they were taught at that young age to act like the one they say they're in love with. Amen? And as Pastor Micheline said up here, it's not just, I pour my love on you. I really like perfume. It's not that. <laughs> it's that song unto the Lord. And I know I'm not a youth pastor here, but I'm a teaching pastor in Jamestown, and I travel and speak. But I've been a part of this ministry long enough that I feel like my heart's knit here in a big way. So a few things I want to leave with you tonight. If you would solidify in your heart and settle it tonight, that when you come to this group, you're not here to come in the door with your drama. Amen? You're not here to walk in and go, I'm just going to act like I'm having a bad day so everyone will give me pity because I just need someone to go, it's okay. You don't need that. You don't. Christ in you is bigger, amen? Leave the drama where it belongs with the world. That when you come in here, you're ready to do war in worship, amen? So start calling your worship warship where you begin to press in with all you got and enjoy his presence and seek his face. Because truthfully, we saw this beginning at the church. People came in and said, no matter what it takes, we want to see heaven invade earth. We want to see the presence and power of God begin to manifest in his love. And I remember the worship service about six weeks ago where it broke. Regular worship time, I'm up there playing guitar with my wife, we're singing, the praise team's doing their thing. And all of a sudden, it was just like the switch flipped. And I watched people who said they would never dance in church. You thought the spirit of MC Hammer landed on them. I mean, they were just losing. I watched old guys going, come on, break it down. I mean, just losing it. And they're praising God. And when I tried to stop, the Lord said, don't even think about it. I'm like, okay. I said, folks. He said, and quit apologizing. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry for apologizing. Because it was taking a long time. Three and a half hours went by. 300 plus people were still dancing and praising God. And I found in my mind, as the lead pastor, I'm like, Lord, what do we got to do? I don't want to offend. And I, he's like, this is the problem. We're usually so worried about every little point and every little moment that we haven't even thought, Lord, what if you want to do this for six hours? Would we be compliant? Amen? And that Wednesday night came. Worship broke out again. Some lady who I'd never seen walks in the door with this banner the size of the room. And starts running across the thing. And my first thought is, I hope it's okay, God. If not, she's getting tackled. <laughs> she starts praising God, and the banner says righteousness and joy. And she's just worshiping God. I stopped after a while. I said, who are you? She said, I was just praying. She said, I live two counties away, and the Lord told me I had to come here tonight and worship. She goes, God's about to break open in a massive way. I said, amen. I went home, and I said, Lord, I need to talk to you about this. What are you doing? I said, it's uncomfortable, and I kind of like it. So I'm in prayer the next day, walking in the sanctuary before the upcoming service. And right about there in the room where I pace in front of our sanctuary, there's a spot. And I said, Lord, just, I don't need signs. 
just, just confirm that this is what you want. I said, Lord, I would just love to see some young people who are so impressed with your presence that even if they're just sitting on the floor and like flip-flops and stuff and just everywhere, young and old alike, together, Sunday morning comes. I'm in the middle of the Word and I look down. A young man who I've never seen in my life, he and his wife just moved from Florida, is sitting in the front with flip-flops on. His wife sits down next to him. A whole troop of people come in and sit down with them across the front. And I went, he said, do you need any more? I'm like, okay, I got it. Flip-flops for Jesus. <laughs> but what he's saying is this. He knows our hearts. God also knows what you're capable of more than you do. Amen? what he's saying is this if you don't get this right this can't come out in power let this be changed and guys I'm not kidding you if you want to see your entire world change if you want to see joy unspeakable and full of glory come out of you if you want to see a true peace that passes understanding that drugs or any type of depression meds can't even come close to then choose to change your mind with God's Word and spend time in his presence Cut off the things that are causing you to think against God. If you're watching shows that are all about relationships outside of the covenant of marriage, turn it off. Why? Because there's something better for you. Amen? If you got music that sounds real good and it's got a kick and beat, but it's all trash about what he did with her and da-da-da-da-da, and nowadays who knows what kind of relationship's going on, turn it off. Why? Because there's something better for you. Amen? Well, Pastor Jason, are you just saying I just need to, the, need to listen to the latest Christian hits and have fish on the back of my car and wear a newsboy shirt all the time? No. <laughs> if you want to do that, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I'll be honest with you. I would rather see teenagers go to the extreme and be on fire for God and walk in all that rather than just kind of play in the Christian on the, you know, the Saturday nights and the Sunday and then the rest of the week looking like whatever. Just ask yourself, is my mentality of heaven or is it of the world? If it's of heaven, there's not a single person that will ever come on this stage that has to ask you to lift your hands. You'll already be doing it. If your mentality is of heaven, there'll be times when you will have to find a space on the wall because of all the people that are trying to get in because they need healing, deliverance, and salvation, and they know that it's present with the body of Christ at 5979. Amen? Trust me, it's pouring out all over the planet. God's just asking his people, will you let me do it through you? Well, pastor, what if I do, but nobody else does? The question is, will you? Will you? Is it, is it hard? His yoke is easy, his burden is light. Trust me, a lot of the things that are causing you drama, the change is as easy as changing the station. Change what you tune into. Change what you see and hear. Guard your hearts and minds and let God's word be in you so that you have the mind of Christ in all things. You'll have his wisdom. You'll have wisdom in finance. You'll have wisdom in relationships. You'll have wisdom in school. You'll begin to act like a believer and your teachers will be amazed at how much love comes out of you. Are you one of those children that says, teachers go, oh, he's a problem. I always got sent to the corner for talking. So I'd go to the corner and talk to the corner. <laughs> but guys, I'm telling you, right now, and I know this for a fact because I'm watching it happen on planet Earth in a huge way right now, 
The Lord wants to use your generation. He's ready for more. The question is, are you? What do you want to see? What do you want to see?